who was in Tunnel Vision with Kurt Anton in 1976, who was in Hero at Large with Kevin Bacon in 1980. Wait, what part did Kevin Bacon play in Hero at Large? Second teenager. Oh, right, right. Well, we'd best put another log on. It'll be dark soon. That camp counselor guy is totally sure there are no free cabins. I'm getting cold. Unfortunately for us, there seems to be a great many wealthy orphans filled with lust for vengeance this year. Still, since we're together, we may as well begin planning our strategy for our encounter with Vicky tomorrow. Wait, you all plan to still do that? Well, yes, of course. I mean, well, that's why we're doing this whole thing. Why wouldn't we? Let me get this straight. Our leader, the Duke, the one with the fire of the prophet, just got his ass handed to him by preteen titans? Vicky, possibly the scariest person I know, is about to get the water of the witch, whatever the hell that is. But I'm guessing it makes her even scarier. And our wizard is not only a fraud, but ditched us? How do you expect any of this to work? You do realize that I was the one giving Avroth his power, right? That I am the supremely powerful wizard here. That if it wasn't for me, just about none of this would have been at all possible. No, of course not. Nobody ever thanks the good doctor for all he does for everyone without ever complaining or asking for anything in return. Not ever. Jeez, Skullmonger. What's crawled up your caboose and pissed in your firebox? Yes, yes, uh, you're, you're right. <laughs> I'm sorry. Ever since Greg left, I've been having a bit of a hard time controlling my emotions. Well, this buildup of power is causing me to lose my composure. And when that happens, the demon souls take the wheel and throw me in the back seat. Oh, I get it. It's like when my dogs would get a little too, um, let's just say, uh, horny as fuck. I'd just take them out for a few miles and run it out of them. Anyway, you can, you know, run off some of that excess... Um, tension? Well, I, I guess that's worth a try. Uh, I'd better get some distance between us. Things might uh, get messy. Yes, we wouldn't want anyone to lose a limb. <laughs> oh, uh, sorry about that. Demons, you know how it is. No. You guys are embarrassing me in front of my friends. You never let us have any fun. Is he starting to freak you two out? Because he's freaking me out. Yes, I must say, the situation is quite unsettling. I, too, am concerned about the doctor, but uh, does does anyone here know how to perform an exorcism? The closest thing the forest monsters have is a method to remove parasites using the, over, using the ovipositor of a deceased metalumin mutant, though that may not be compatible with human physiology. No, no, nothing. What's an ovipositor? Uh, ergon... Are you okay? Yes, though it would appear that the, that the mosquitoes have emerged. They have a proclivity for the blood of forest monsters and, and can be quite ravenous at times. If they are that bad, then how can you stand living in the forest? Thousands of years ago, we made an arrangement with the Brotherhood of the Seers of the Invisible Path to create a spell that would shield us from the mosquitoes in our territory. Every year, the spell must be reinforced or we would be overrun. I was unaware of any such agreement. What do the seers get in return for their services? Orange slices and Capri Suns. They couldn't get those on their own? When asked why they chose such payment, they simply replied, We're wizards. We don't have to explain Dick. How very curious. Hey, everybody. Oh, it appears that Duke Kurt has freed himself from his adolescent tormentors. 
Kids and I have come to an arrangement. They'll leave the rest of my ribs intact, and, uh... I will bring a weekly tribute of orange slices and Capri Suns. All right, now, kids, line up, single file, like. Uh, what do we say to the Duke? Ah, uh, one at a time now. Sorry, dude. Nice try, game, buddy. Game, Sorry for dude. punching you in the butthole. Sorry about making you look bad in front of your girlfriend. She's not my girlfriend. Anyway, it's okay, kids. Uh, I'm sorry that I went into full axe murderer dark mode frenzy. We call that a frenzy? Now, Tucker, we talked about that mouth of yours. Is that the attitude of a soul-torn, brooding vigilante? Sorry. All right there, kiddos. Now it really is time for Lights Out. Now, now, kids. You know we got a busy morning of arts and crafts and canoeing, and y'all got butler relations tests after that. Yay! Arts and crafts! All right. Well, good night, everyone. Good night, orphans. Sorry your dead parents are dead. Oh my god, Kurt. Why would you say that? What? They know their parents are dead. Are you not sorry about it? Those poor orphans, many of them don't even have butlers. Your grace, you appear to be well adept at dealing with children. I used to run a program designed to help troubled young kids. You know, help guide them to a more productive life. Really? You? Yeah, it was called Slashing Upwards. I taught them all sorts of slicing and hacking techniques. Useful skills for any number of axe-based careers. Never mind, though. Okay, huddle up, everyone. Tomorrow's the big day, and I think we need a battle plan for how to take down Vicky. Avroth, we're going to need you to... Hey, where's Avroth and Skullmonger? Avroth split after having it out with Skullmonger. He sounded pretty upset. Then Skullmonger started having multiple personality issues and went into the woods to run off some of his energy. Run off? Did you tell the horny dog story again? It's a good analogy. The Duke is correct. Now is the time to begin preparations for our encounter with Vicky. We cannot take on her forces without a plan. Alas, I have no gift for strategy. Brother Ergunk, do I remember correctly that you were your people's general in the war of the particularly dickish harpies? That is correct, though I have long since retired from military service. Still, I think you're our best option when it comes to battle strategy. Any ideas? When I was young, but a small groupling, I was apprenticed to a great war chief of my tribe. On the first day of my training, he taught me that war is governed by five constant factors to be taken into account in one's deliberations when seeking to determine the conditions obtained in the field. These are the moral law, heaven, earth, the commander, and finally... Okay, forget Ergunk. I'll plan the battle. Based on her last known position, Vicky should be nearing the water of the witch. Is anyone ever going to tell me what that does? So according to Skullmonger... She should be camped out near the western base of the volcano. We won't be able to get near her with all those English majors guarding the place, so we'll need a team to keep them occupied. I can help with that. I helped author a Brotherhood of Ex-Girlfriends report on their weaknesses. And I will assist you. Good. Okay. The next major issue is going to be keeping the poison fuzzbees safe. Can't have them taking splash damage if things get nuts. You can count on me for that one. Oh, Dr. Skullmonger, are you feeling better? I think so. Would I be correct in assuming that such power releases would need to be... need to be a regular occurrence until the situation with Mr. the Unholy is mended? I think I'll be good for a while. 
Oh, geez, Ergonk, I just realized it's mosquito season and you're outside of your little bubble. Here, uh, let me help you with that. Titus Repellum! Repellum! Uh, that should keep you protected for at least the next few days. Much obliged, Doctor. I can offer you the slices of two Valencias and a six-pack of kiwi strawberry after we defeat Vicky. <laughs> That's okay. This one's on the house. Uh, now, what was I saying? Oh, right. I'll take care of protecting the fuzz beasts. Is there anything in that day planner you stole that actually might be helpful? Oh, well, there isn't much in there about what she's planning to do with the Water of the Witch. It's mostly her route to the volcano and her plans for the fuzz beasts during the victory party. There is, however, something that you might find very interesting, Kurt. Take a look at this. Does this mean what I think it means? It does indeed. What is it? Oh, I'm just going to keep that little bit of information to myself for now. Besides, it really doesn't help us when it comes to dealing with all of Vicky's mercenaries. They're the ones we have to focus on. That just leaves Vicky for me. The Prophet said that my fire won't have much impact when she's in human form. So, I think I'll have to rely on brute force. Good at brute force. Not the way Tucker tells it. No way that kid's 11. I want to see a birth certificate. And I, Your Grace? How may I assist in the battle? Uh, time for commercial. Hey there, kiddos. I got three questions for you. One, are you a wealthy child whose parents have been murdered? Two, have you developed an unquenchable thirst for bloody retribution? And three, are you ready to have the best summer ever? You are? Well then, Evil Island Vengeance Society has a place for you. Camp Little Vigilante is the premier summer camp to hone your rage and lust for revenge. We'll help you focus that fury into making high-tech crime-fighting gadgetry and making memories. You can start your day off with jujitsu class and then head over to the paintball zone to really get extreme. Build your own grappling hook and then use it to swing over the fighting pits and into our custom wave pool. We've got it all here at Little Vigilante and our counselors are here to guide you on your quest for sweet animal theme justice. Spots are filling fast, so have your butler call and make a reservation today. And remember, just because your parents are dead doesn't mean you still can't have fun at Camp Little Vigilante. See you this summer! Um, Your Grace, perhaps you didn't hear me before, uh, but uh, what role would you like me to play in the upcoming battle? Alright, um, you can be the equipment manager. Equipment manager? Yeah. You're in charge of orange slices and Capri Suns. <laughs> Very well. So, yeah. I guess that's it. It's a lovely night. We've got a nice breeze and a warm fire. Reminds me of camping as a kid. I was thinking the same thing. I remember when the old Duke used to take the house staff out for a yearly camping trip not too far from here. We'd stay up all night playing games and telling scary stories by the firelight. Oh, oh, I've got one. All right. It was a cool, crisp night in October on Lover's Lookout. The kind of night that is just cold enough to give your engine block a chill and sputter before it starts. It was foggy, and even with the moonlight, hard to see past a dozen feet. 
perfect night for a quick secluded peck up on the hill. A perfect night for two teenage lovebirds who are up there necking in an old Ford sedan. She stops him when she hears a crunching in the distance. The young man turns off the car to see if he can hear it. Before he can open the window to stick out his head, he sees me, uh, I mean a large, dark figure, and the glint of an axe emerge from the fog, and then, the horror. The teenage boy had tremendous reflexes and locked the door immediately. When the dark figure lifted his axe to break the window, it slipped out of his hands. The young man turned the key on his $600 used Ford, and despite their horrible reputation and his negligence and maintenance, it started immediately. Huh? Pretty twisted, right? Okay, um, I've got a much better one. Oh. It's about this beautiful woman who is driving down a lonely highway. And she sees this hitchhiker and decides that she's going to do a good deed and pick him up. So she pulls over, and as he gets in the car, she sees that he had hooks for both hands, and Not he- a murderer. Um, what? Not a murderer. I knew a guy like that. Steve Two Hooks Maccabee. And he couldn't murder anything with those. Couldn't even pick up a to-go coffee. Excuse me, this is my story. Think about it. Try gripping an axe or knife or chainsaw with a hook. It can't be done. Not even if you try using double-stick tape. Even if you tie the handle of your weapon to your arm, it's a horrible idea. Say you swing a little too hard and your axe gets embedded in a torso. Now you're just stuck, because even Steve Two Hooks Maccabee couldn't untie a man of war sheepshank knot using a single hooked hand. Well, if you would have waited a second, you would have known that he didn't need to hold a weapon because the hooks. Yeah, I know where you're going, but that doesn't work either. After the first swing, he gets snagged on entrails. Hook hands aren't murder weapons, plain and simple. Plus, they're just not scary. Oh, and your story was? At least mine had some depth to the characters. Yours wasn't even... Did anyone else hear that? Uh, uh, I think there's someone in the woods. Wait, you tell one guy who can't pick up a coin story and you're afraid of every sound in the forest? Would you go check? I find this simultaneously sexist and charming. But yes... If it would put your delicate sensibilities to rest, I'd happily... It is I! Glove of the Lord! Die, Maccabee! Holy sh... You're not getting my entrails, Maccabee. Please, your grace. Your grace, you must stop. It is merely Avram. He has returned. Ow! You're back? Seriously? Nobody's going to apologize for what just happened. Us? Why should we apologize when you're the one who left us out here? Oh, right, that. Okay, here's how that all went down. I straight pulled a Ron Weasley here, guys. The moment I left, I knew it was a mistake and tried to turn around, but without my magic, I was completely lost. I wound up heading the wrong direction and was captured by Vicky's forces. They brought me back to her camp, and I was brutally beaten in Mario Kart before they started the, you know, actual torture. I'm sorry to say it, but they broke me. I couldn't handle waterboarding. They threatened to break my fingers one by one, and I came in dead last in Rainbow Road. I'm so sorry, everyone. I've let you all down. 
They know everything. Wow. I mean, wow. Hey, don't feel bad. I'm, I'm sorry about what I said. Oh, it, it gets worse. They're not just approaching the water of the witch. They've already got it. Vicky now has the power to control the minds of non-island creatures. That's what it does? I'm so, so sorry. I'm afraid I don't understand. How did they get there so quickly? We, we underestimated her cleverness. She's equipped her entire army with wheelie shoes. Genius. All right, everyone. Please give me a moment. I've prepared something of an apology for you all. All of us, eh? Well, not you, Henry. An apology for my friends. Well, workplace proximity equipment. I may not have all the power I once did, but there is still one skill I have left. Please, everyone, enjoy a bowl of rice on me. Any kind you like. Name it. If I may be so bold, are you able to create long grain white rice with cinnamon and sugar? Mapunga! Neat. Neat. Could I have brown rice with a little sage? Mapunga! Little garlic and butter for me, please. Mapunga! Is saffron an option? Mapunga! You know, I wouldn't mind a risotto. Oh, fuck you, Hank! Mmm. Hey, this is pretty good. Eat well, everyone. For tomorrow may well be the end of Evil Island. Evil Island City Hall, Episode 9, written by Nat Roth, Kurt Schmidhuber, Josh Price, and Paul Masseri. Kurt played Kurt, Paul was Dr. Skullmonger and his demon pals, plus the camp counselor. Josh was Ergunk, and Nat didn't record a damn thing because he's lazy. MC Nelson as Avroth, Stephanie Banti as Crystal, and of course the big shot, Mr. J. Moses as Jeffrey. Music by Josh Price, except the epic commercial bit, which was Fred Bouchal. Sound effects by Josh Price, All Sounds, The Sound Effects Archive, and OG Sound Effects. In case it isn't obvious, this is the second to last episode we'll be making, so a heartfelt thanks to our listener. Oh, and uh, did you catch that we revealed Kurt's last name? Yeah, I'm pretty damn good at it.